It's exciting today to have a guest who's going to preview a big idea for us. A huge idea called the National Investment Authority. The NIA is not meant to step in and do the job that either local or state governments can do or private investors could do or the federal government. The NIA is meant to become a catalyst for attending to the problems that are in our face right now. From the home offices of Civic Ventures in downtown Seattle, this is Pitchfork Economics with Nick Hanauer, the best place to get the truth about who gets what and why. I'm Nick Hanauer, founder of Civic Ventures. I'm Jessen Farrell, and I'm senior vice president at Civic Ventures and a former state legislator. So, Nick, today we have a very exciting conversation. Uh, we're going to be talking about government entities and how to really improve planning and building and solving problems that currently aren't being solved by the public or private sector. We're in a moment that's calling for a similar amount of creativity as the New Deal era did, which resulted in the creation of many new government entities that were able to do really big things. And so it's exciting today to have a guest who's going to preview a big idea for us. Absolutely. Uh, today, we get to talk to Saleh Omarova, who's a professor at uh, Cornell Law School, and she is going to talk to us about a huge idea called the National Investment Authority which would help both identify and execute against the nation's sort of largest and most strategic economic challenges and opportunities. It should be really, really interesting. It's a really hard problem, obviously, and a complex challenge, but it needs to be addressed, and it'll be interesting to hear her talk about how to do that. I'm Saulia Omarova. I'm Beth and Mark Goldberg Professor of Law at Cornell University, and I'm working on issues of financial regulation and uh, connecting the financial system to the macroeconomy. Well, uh, Saulia, let's dive right in, uh, and we're incredibly excited to have you on the program today to talk about your big idea for creating uh, a new government entity called the National Investment Authority. So it would be awesome if you could sort of explain to our listeners what it is and how it would work. The gist of the proposal is quite simple. I think everybody understands what kind of challenges we are currently facing as a country and part of the planet, really, right? Especially in the uh, wake of the COVID crisis, we need to take off with respect to our economic recovery, we need to address issues of poverty, structural inequality. We need to figure out how to counter climate change that is going to bring bigger and more frequent crises in future. We are also struggling with the loss of domestic manufacturing base and the increasing concentration of economic power. In other words, there is a whole host of challenges that seem to come together in this one big cluster. And in order to tackle that cluster, of course, we need to start from the bottom up. In other words, we need to start rebuilding our core public infrastructure. In some sense, it's kind of like rebuilding the main platform for the economy. And there are 
important structural obstacles on that path. So first of all, uh, the scale, the scale of the task in front of us, right? The piecemeal solutions are not going to be enough when we are facing such a complex of societal problems. So in order to tackle these problems, we need some form of coordination and strategic direction. Typically, economic problems have been tackled, you know, by two sets of actors, right? There are two sides. Usually it's either we leave it to the private market or to the government. So the private market, that's what we at least uh, are always told, right, has better expertise, better understanding of issues on the ground, and also has uh, supposedly superior motivational factors driving them, right? They want to make money, whereas the government, on the other hand, is more focused on the public needs, on what we all need, and the government has a greater set of resources. It's not as constrained in its resources as any company, even the biggest private company, for that matter. Uh, and the government has longer time horizons, and it has greater patience. So typically, public infrastructure is left to the government to take care of to the extent that those kinds of qualities what's needed. But the problem right now is that it's really difficult to figure out which tasks specifically should be left or could be left to the private market and which tasks specifically and cleanly should be left to the government. Each side in this sort of textbook uh, division, right, has its own straight jacket. Leaving aside the substance of these debates and the merits of these debates, the irrefutable fact is that the government cannot just easily step in and say, we're going to build those new uh, clean infrastructures, clean energy networks. Uh, we're going to rebuild all of our social infrastructure and do all of those things that private markets are not willing to do. So as a result, there is that dead zone. There is a lot of private capital swishing around in financial markets that sort of isn't willing, feels it's irrational for it, feels it's incapable or would be unjustified in entering the type of financing big infrastructure projects that we need to be financed. On the other hand, the federal government and the local state governments and the tribal authorities, they're willing to do it but they are constrained in their practical ability to really commit for political reasons to basically putting in a lot of money over long stretches of time into these projects. So what we need is we need an institution that can step into that dead zone and that is designed to be a hybrid, a true hybrid, in that it is free of both of those straight jackets. In other words, it's not hamstrung by that short-term profit obsession uh, it has longer time horizons and it has uh, sort of vaster resources and it has its eyes on the public benefit and the public interest first and foremost. But at the same time, unlike the existing government institutions, it's not so constrained by the immediate sort of vagaries of budgetary politics or other things of that kind so that it can actually get inside the markets and not be just an outsider waving its hands around and not being able to really push anybody to put their money where their mouth are, right? But that can in instead get inside those markets, roll up its sleeves and start working alongside other private uh, market actors and other public government agencies in order to get those projects financed, planned, designed and implemented. Let's try and make it clearer 
by using examples why this entity would be useful and novel. So let me first ask, when most people think about infrastructure, they're thinking about roads and bridges, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, and obviously there's more to it than that. But to be clear, America's roads and bridges could use a bunch of help, have needed a bunch of help for a very long time and still haven't gotten help because the Congress could not get its act together to fund that infrastructure. Okay. So would that kind of stuff be in the purview of the NIA? Well, it will and it won't. It's sort of at the same time, it depends, right? So um, the NIA is not going to be a single solution to absolutely every pothole in on every road, right? It yeah. cannot be. And it's not meant to step in and do the job that either local or state governments can do or private investors could do or the federal government, all these existing federal agencies could do. The NIA is meant to become a catalyst for the type of the projects that uh, incorporate the fixing and the maintenance and attending to the problems that are in our face right now, but also to leapfrog uh, the economy to the next level. In other words, instead of just fixing the, the roads that we have today, how about we will try to modernize the national system of highways so that it is technologically amenable to shifting to clean cars, electric right. cars or hydrogen-based uh, transportation and so on and so forth. That is the, the, the job of the scale and the significance and the, uh, quite frankly, riskiness, right, that the federal government should undertake. But it also requires the kind of across-the-board nationwide coordination that the existing federal agencies, because of their jurisdictional uh, uh, limitations, are not necessarily able to do efficiently. That's where the NIA would step in. Uh, another way to think about this is a little bit of re-injecting industrial policy into Absolutely. governance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And to use a very simple example, certainly it's obvious today, it was less obvious 10 years ago and was highly resisted 20 years ago, would be, for instance, the goal of uh, building scale and dominance in uh, photovoltaic cells, PVC. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. That, that clearly, at some point, it became staggeringly obvious that these would be enormously useful to the economy and the world, and that having a national competence and uh, advantage in making them would be a good thing. We, uh, the United States, left it to the market. The Chinese did not, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, right? And as a consequence, uh, they dominate that industry. And you know, we're far behind. So are those examples of the kinds of things that the NIA would do too? That is absolutely right, Nick. I'm really glad that you brought that up because my understanding of public infrastructure, critical public infrastructure, is includes the industrial infrastructure of exactly the type that you're describing. Not simply rebuilding the old manufacturing facilities, but actually taking our industrial base into the future, looking into new technologies, the technologies of tomorrow, and looking toward reestablishing, regaining our leadership 
in producing those types of technological products that would position us really well in the future globally. But right. also to do it, what's important here is that just like you said, you know, why is it important that the government gets involved in financing and managing these types of uh, investment? You know, the government could do it through the traditional channels of, let's say, giving tax breaks, right, or tax incentives to private sector to build uh, certain, you know, new technology uh, plants and so on and so forth. And even that would be an improvement, quite frankly, over what yeah. we have today, right? right. But at the same time, why not have the NIA acting through one of its subsidiaries, which is sort of that kind of a market actor specifically set up to do this kind of a work, right? To become a co-investor, a, a controlling co-investor, uh, an equity holder in a company that actually does that. Because from that perspective, you're not just financing and you know, basically foregoing your tax revenue in order to allow some private company to build this new factory, but then to decide, right, how much of the profit, how much to charge for those uh, for those products, whom to hire, where to build those uh, those plants, right? So they might want to build it in the area that's already doing quite well economically, right? But because that's where the uh, the main managers live, right? They might want to build it near Silicon Valley, for example. But if the government is uh, sort of managing these types, uh, these types of investment, the NIA might decide to build that type of a, a plant, new plant, new complex of plants in Flint, Michigan, for example, right? Yeah. Or in West Virginia, yeah. somewhere where that plant will actually have far-reaching, very important collateral benefits to the economy and to the society as a whole. It will create uh, new jobs. It will bring new businesses. It will bring more capital because once you start building that kind of, that kind of industrial capacity in those currently economically depressed areas, then you need to bring new infrastructure, right? Then somehow yeah. magically there will be money and there will be interest in building new clean water distribution system. And then also the NIA being kind of, let's say it's a joint venture partner, right? In this new technological industrial complex, right? That is being built in Detroit or in Flint, Michigan or in all of these things. Then the NIA can actually from within decide whom they're going to hire. Right. So they're going to bring in, the governments have to, for example, retrain local people for jobs that would right. be necessary to take on, right? And pay wages and encourage you know, unionization and all of those things that are currently completely out of reach. So this is a really ambitious vision and it integrates industrial planning and implementation and finance and labor standards and environmental standards. How do you get from this ambitious vision and strike that balance between needing to have technocratic expertise at the helm and democratic accountability? Are there specific ideas that you have and are there entities that exist currently that do that particularly well that we could look to? It's a brilliant question. And it, that question actually hits right at the core of the biggest problem, right? How do you combine the technocratic acumen and expertise and the ability to act within financial markets, which is not what our federal government is at least currently very good at, because we've, we've had a bit of that muscle 
in the you know beginning in the uh, since the New Deal era and the World War II and slightly after World War II, but we've lost a lot of it, and I agree with that. How do we combine the revival of that kind of public finance muscle, the market muscle, so to speak? with the need for democratic accountability and the sort of the need to really serve the needs of the people and the fact that once you bring in politics of course you bring in a lot of that squabbling right and a lot of this kind of recriminations and accusations uh, and whatnot so the na proposal is actually fairly quite developed and as a lawyer as a former lawyer anyway this is uh, this is what i really love doing trying to design the structure. So the structure of the NIA is the political accountability and democratic accountability that is one of the factors for that is having that NIA board as a federal agency on top of the system. But the NIA board itself will not act in financial markets. In other words, the actual operations will be conducted by its subsidiaries, the uh, federal government-owned, specially chartered corporations. And the two such subsidiaries in the current uh, iteration of the proposals are called the National Infrastructure Bank and NICIMAC, NCMC, National Capital Management Corporation, for example. And they are the form of these entities, right? They're not quite a federal agency. They are, by nature, it's a hybrid entity, the federal corporation. And we have a lot of experience with federal corporations of different kinds. And they give you a lot of flexibility with respect to structuring the governance, but also with respect to sort of uh, how they run their own balance sheets and how they run their own businesses. And that's an, a very important kind of lever for trying to bring in technocratic expertise and the ability to really act as if you were publicly owned BlackRock, for example, right? With that sort of oversight and the strategic regulation, right? And kind of strategic direction that will come from the NIA board, which is a political body. But all, I mean, I, I just think it's, I think it's not fair to call, for instance, the legitimate conflict between the relative ease of locating a a new factory to produce technology near a technology center versus locating it in a place like Flint, Michigan or you know rural West Virginia or whatever it is where the, where the social needs may be higher but where it will be unambiguously harder to get that thing off the ground because there won't be the people and the infrastructure there to support it, right? And so let me just say, I am wildly in favor of some form of this and think that our country would be immeasurably better off if we took a more strategic approach to solving our sort of macroeconomic and technological challenges in the future rather than, I mean, people think we don't have an industrial policy, but we do. It's no industrial policy, right? Yeah, like right. no strategy is a strategy. It's just a shitty one. So I'm, I, you know, like I'm personally very, very um, bullish on this kind of approach, but I'm also keenly aware of the destabilizing politics around these legitimate tensions. The hard stuff, it seems to me, is adjudicating these conflicts over path of least resistance to get the technology up quicker versus let's do it in a place that creates more social benefit at potentially the expense of uh, of technological progress. 
I'm a entrepreneur, right? Like the vast majority of things I've tried have failed. But, you know, luckily I'm not a democracy where people will, uh, you know, like, I don't know what, like not elect me anymore to make these decisions. I just keep getting to make these decisions. And, you know, once in a while, a good one hits, but it's much harder if you're Congress, right? Where the government makes some big bet, a smart bet, but just because a bet is smart doesn't mean it's going to work out. Right. And so how do you, how do you think about that? How do you, how do we get the public and the Congress to be supportive of an approach like this? Actually, there are many questions, right? And many queries you packed, Nick, into, into, that, yeah, yes, into that comment. Yeah. Yes, quite a bit. So, you know, first of all, you are absolutely right. The reason we don't have the kind of institutional channel for adjudicating this very legitimate conflicts uh, among different groups pushing for different solutions and driven by different interests is because it's difficult. Uh, how do you kind of argue against the fact that, well, you know, it's it's much easier to get off the ground some kind of a high-tech new industrial production when it's already located in uh, successful urban areas with a lot of highly educated workforce that's basically behind the technology, rather than trying to build new type of a Silicon Valley somewhere in the desert of West Virginia, right? And that may be very well true, and there probably is a lot of uh, issues that you know would need to be addressed. But uh, at the same time, it's like the Chinese government, they are not afraid of making those kinds of big decisions. Absolutely. And those kinds of, those kinds of big decisions, sort of what, what we need is, and you are right about that, what we need is we need an institutional forum for adjudicating them at the right level, but also we need an institution that would be sufficiently insulated from the endless kind of political conflict right. around those issues. And that's what the NIA design is trying to do. So um, the, the NIA being kind of a federal, uh, you know, independent federal agency, that sort of, uh, it, it sort of tries to kind of, um, to offer that type of midway institutional forum for adjudicating a lot of those conflicts, but it, not in that kind of, uh, how, you know, the way Congress kind of operates, unfortunately, today, this sort of purely ideological way or, you know, extremely kind of a ideologically, conceptually kind of disjointed um, type of way, but within the uh, framework of specific strategic priorities. We need to do it. We have to do it. Like you said, if we don't do it, it becomes de facto the realm of, I don't know, JP Morgans and Amazons of the world. And we have to take control of that. Uh, but then the fact that the NIA is meant to be a system, right? And the system where at each level, the actual entities that make those investment decisions further insulated from the kind of overwhelming, constant, highly politicized and ideolog ideologized conflict, that should be a helpful factor. It's not going to resolve the, the problem that, you know, for the first five, 10 years of its operation, everybody will be watching its every step. And uh, we always, the scrutiny that we subject public actors and government authorities in their economic activities is always going to be higher and less fair than the scrutiny to which you subject private investors. And I completely understand that. But, and, you know, there is no, there is no guarantee it will all work out, right? But if 
the NIA is able to show some success, significant success in the first years of its operation, I am convinced that the tide will turn because a lot of the investors out there in the private markets will see that this is actually a good channel for co-investing, for getting your safe asset for uh, and doing good and also, you know, not being const constantly basically enslaved to uh, the, uh, you know, Goldman Sachs of the world. And so, and the political dynamics might change, but of course, everything depends on how well we design it and how well we support it in the first years of its operation. What I really love about this idea is that at its most simple, it is trying to use government, creative design around government to solve problems, you know, that we are unable to solve right now. And I think you get at this political problem in your last comment, which is we would need to support it. And once it's up and running and has a set of successes to show, that's that's a way to build support. And that is true for any government entity. It needs to eventually, soon, as soon as possible, show that it has successes. Where would you, if you were to choose a place to aim this effort at right out of the gate, what would you what would you want to do? That's an interesting and it's kind of a hard question, right? Because there are so many problems that could be tackled. I would probably try to focus first and foremost on sort of the transitioning of certain industries like fossil fuel industries, coal industry, oil and gas industry, and uh, kind of transitioning uh, those industries into the future, cleaner future, uh, you know, more sustainable future by helping uh, also the regions in which that production and those industries for decades have been the dominant uh, employers and providers of kind of economic activity uh, and revenues uh, for the local governments and local populations to bring them uh, to rebuild the industrial base, to shift it, to do what Nick was kind of alluding to when he was talking about industrial policy in those regions. So that's where I would focus uh, first and foremost. And the kind of adjacent priority in that respect for me would be trying to revitalize communities that have been economically left behind. And to me, it's all kind of coming together. That's what I would try to focus on. Yeah, but given that 90% uh, of our communities have been left behind, that's a pretty tall order. <laughs> it is a tall order, but just, you know what? Yeah. You know I what? Mean, let's, yeah. let's, first, let's first get the NIA you know, uh, on, on the agenda of Congress, right? And see where Congress is. And, you know, my hope is that the our legislators will see the fact that this is really kind of the bipartisan issue, right? We need to we need to rebuild our economy, no matter what, no matter which party is in control. And, you know, if it's big and powerful as I want it to be, or maybe it's not as big as powerful and as powerful, maybe its successes and its work is initially more circumscribed, right? And more focused on particular sectors or particular projects. Whatever it is, we need to start this work. And that's what I'm hoping for. Well, this is, it's a fascinating idea. It's a huge and complex idea. And I think that, you know, it's a conversation that's probably long overdue sort of politically in the country. And it'll be interesting. I, you know, I, I hope that the Biden administration takes at least the spirit of this idea very seriously, because I think there's a lot of really productive conversation that can be had about it. Listen, we want to finish the interview by asking you uh, a question we ask all the people we talk to, which is, why do you do this work? What motivates you? 
So uh, on a personal level, I want to give back to my adoptive country, this country. I, I came here when I was very young and um, I, I came here from the former Soviet Union. I grew up there in uh, Kazakhstan. So I've lived through the disaster of a big and powerful and enormously rich country, basically unable to adjust and to reform itself, to adjust to the new conditions and to take care of its own people. And um, ambitious as this, as this might be, but my hope is to the extent of my limited abilities to help this country to avoid that mistake. And I also think that, you know, we need more people who are kind of designers and developers of the details of these types of ideas. You know, everybody now uh, is sort of talking about modern RFC and kind of uh, Rooseveltian FDR-like uh, presidency coming, and it's all great. So the spirit is already there, right? But what we need to do is we need to dive into the design details. And that's what the NI proposal that I'm working on is hoping or trying to do. Fantastic. Well, Sally, thank you so much for being with us. It's really, really interesting. And uh, we wish you fantastic success in this endeavor. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you very much. Yeah, so this is such a cool idea, this National Investment Authority, particularly its scope and the uh, thoroughness of the design that Soleil laid out. And, you know, what I think is really interesting is just that our infrastructure problems are so big, and this is an idea that's really scaled to the size of the problem. And I agree, but I, as I said in the interview, I'm really bullish on some sort of coordinated strategic federal authority around industrial policy and investment it's a super hard nut to crack in a non-authoritarian government. I mean, we, there's a reason why the Chinese government uh, is effective at making these big bets. Uh, one of them is that they are not democratically uh, elected, <laughs> right? Like when they have a failure or when they have an explosion that kills thousands of people, you know, nothing happens to the people who made that call. But the darn truth of it is that these bets are incredibly hard to make for the most agile, well-financed expert organizations. You know, you're just going to have failures under the best of circumstances, and it is very difficult to withstand the attacks for an agency to withstand the attacks by people who are legitimately antagonized by these mistakes. And by the way, these mistakes always look obvious in hindsight, right? You can always, That's right. That's right, right. right? Like I've, I've done this. I mean, I've made so many investments uh, over time. I think it's up to 38 or something like that. And 100% of them looked super smart going in. And then 36 months later, you're saying to yourself, what the hell was I thinking? You know, like it was the dumbest thing I've, how, how could anyone have ever been so stupid to have thought that that idea would work or that these people could walk and chew gum at the same time? You know, I just, it's just super hard to get out from under that problem in a democracy. And, yeah. you know, and I also think, Justin, these conflicts, like, again, the one, the simple one that I mentioned between plopping a new a new enterprise in Silicon Valley because that's where the expertise is versus 
plopping it in a place that would just benefit economically a hundred times more, but doesn't have the expertise, you know, that's not squabbling. That's a legitimate democratic conflict, right? Like, yeah, I mean, but yeah, on that's the a hard hand, one to solve. It's, it is hard, but one of the core myths of trickle-down economics is that the private sector is best suited to be the problem solvers. Uh, oh, for sure. Particularly where there are gaps. And so I think that it is less a problem of the concept because I think that, you know, we do need government entities that are expressly created to be filling gaps that the private sector is not willing to fill, right? Like that is a core function of government. And so it, to me, is less about the concept and more around the nuance and what it is and, and specifically the relationship to risk. Is this entity supposed to be the front line of risk taking or is it supposed yeah. to be socializing some risk taking? Yeah. Or is it things. supposed to be right. right? Or is it supposed to be doing something like I think of compressed laminate timber or, or mass yeah. laminate timber, right? Which we know works. We know solves multiple problems around our forests, around manufacturing, around climate change, and yet we're, th there's not this flood of private capital into these kinds of projects. And so, I think that part of the critique is that it's not conceptual, but it is around where does this an entity like this live on that risk continuum? That's right. That's it doesn't right. need and to be everything to everyone right. around that's risk. Right. That's right. And what you certainly don't want this entity to do, I mean, this, this is what the National Institute for, or uh, the federal government f funds a lot of research through a bunch yes. of arms. That's where yes, that should exactly. live, right? That, that's awesome. Right. But clearly, this entity should not be a early stage venture capital business throwing money at crazy ideas. Absolutely. Uh, cross laminate timber is a great example. Uh, solar uh, photovoltaic cells is another great example. Uh, giant wind turbines is a good example. There are, there are lots and lots of things that are reasonably well understood and that where the nation would just benefit from more investment and more scale. And, and exactly. that's where this could be. Well, anyway, it's a super interesting idea. I think that the time has come to re-up these kinds of ideas. And uh, I hope that Saleh makes good progress with hers. It'd be super cool. Pitchfork Economics is produced by Civic Ventures. If you like the show, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Find us on Twitter and Facebook at Civic Action and Nick Hanauer. Follow our writing on Medium at Civic Skunkworks and peek behind the podcast scenes on Instagram at Pitchfork Economics. As always, from our team at Civic Ventures, thanks for listening. See you next week.